0: And Trisha Barr.
1: Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, Sherry, and we'll provide the rest. That's right. We're sure, hot and Why we only live to serve? Where the grace of this dish don't believe me. Ask the delicious. dishes. Hey everyone, and welcome to this. Episode of Fangirl Chat. I am Teresa Delgado, one of your hosts, and tonight we're going to the dark side to the world of the VKs, also known as Villain Kids, to discuss one of our favorite things in Disney television, The Descendants. With me, as always, is my Fangirl co-host Trisha Barr. What's up? Did you enjoy it? Did you love it? You watched it when it premiered, though, didn't you? I did. Okay, yeah, I didn't get to it. I did the on-demand version of it on, like, Saturday morning, but I didn't finish it all at once, so I was, like, watching it while I was at work, and the funniest part is I'm watching this at the Lego store in the back room during my lunch break, and what in the world?
0: Podcasting.
1: Oh, my God. My cat just knocked off a Lego Christmas tree and broke it. That's hilarious. Okay, well, so... I'm watching it and I turn around and like three of the guys are looking over my shoulder watching and they're like, okay, the purple one, that's whose daughter again? And they're asking me all these questions. I'm like, guys, just watch them. (laughs) Like, Like, quit asking me all of these things. And then today, that was Saturday. And then today at work, a couple of the guys go, if we had Descendants Legos, you would buy them all. And I was like, duh. <laughs> I was like, of course I would. Oh, it's so funny. They're like, no, I don't, I'm not going to watch it. That's, you know, I, that's not my thing. I'm like, yeah, except you're asking me 10,000 questions about it.
0: Did you watch Descendants from when it first aired or did you come into it later on?
1: I did not watch the first one when it first aired, but I watched it before there was a second one, so I had seen it. I think it was just one of those days where I was like, I want something to watch, and Descendants happened to be on, you know, and so I watched the first one, and I got sucked into Rotten but Rotten to the core, and then it was sort of over after that. So then I watched Descendants 2 when I knew it was coming out, and then you know, this one. So.
0: I caught descendants the first one right before descendants two came out. Cause I'll run it a lot. And mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, there's a second one. Ooh, I don't even have to wait. This is the best way to do fandom. And then I had to wait forever for descendants three, but <laughs> I'll watch them a lot. What, fascinated me about watching the first one I was like wow they're like doing a heroine's journey and Mm -hmm. I like all these characters and there's two women together like being friends magical storytelling
1: yeah well you know I also like stories that are told from the villain's perspective there's a line of books that Disney press does that they do like it's The villain, the story, same the story, but from the villain's point of view, and they've done a couple of them now, and it's really interesting. And so I thought this was interesting of the kids being these, you know, kids of the villains we know, and kind of seeing them not really be villains, but being characterized as villains because they're the villain kids. Uh, So I thought all of that was interesting. I will say though that when you watch Descendants, you have to be prepared for a certain level of cheese ballness, Oh, of course. Because it's completely there, and you just have to roll your eyes and just be like, okay, whatever.
0: (laughs) It's sort of like when we were talking about the Cats trailer on the last Fangirls Going Rogue. Yes. We're like, yeah, that's just it. There's that cheese factor. Just go for it.
1: You just have to deal with it. (laughs)
0: Okay, so who are your favorites from the series?
1: So I love Mal, but a lot of it is because she's purple, you know? So I think I'm just automatically... But I actually really like the fact that she's Maleficent's daughter. I like that she can turn into a dragon. Like, there's just all kinds of things there. She has has that magic thing, which I really like. But... I also really love Carlos, which makes me really sad. We're going to talk about this in a minute, which is, you know, he's played by Cameron Boyce. And I like the fact that he's Cruella DeVille's son and he loves animals. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous.
0: Well, that's like the beauty of the whole inverting the tropes is he believes at the beginning of in the first movie that dogs are vicious and terrible. And that's what his mother's told him, which we all grew up thinking something because our parents told us. And then we realize, hmm, maybe that's not so true. And so that was always fun. and. Part of two is just, you know, well, all the kids, right? They're all, so Mal is Maleficent and Evie is the daughter of the evil queen and Jay is Jafar and then obviously Carlos. So they all are, you know, part, we sort of know, how would we say the archetype or the basics of their story? And then, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to kind of flip it around as it goes along. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but Evie is Always, I always liked her. I always liked kind of her nurturing, and she, you know, she starts out in the first movie kind of a. No, she's not stupid. It's just a little she's bit. She's a dingbat. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Her, the evil queens told her, you know, go get your prince, and there's, you know, she kind of exhibits those characteristics So you think of where people are just, like, trying to, you know, impress the guy, I guess. And then, you know, she kind of comes into her own, and and I don't know, is Descendants directly responsible for why people all have colored hair now?
1: I don't know, but
0: it feels like it. <laughs> Every time I
1: watch it, I'm always like, oh, I wish it... I hair. <laughs> like I don't even though obviously their hair's not dyed, those are wigs. But it's still you know. I don't know. But the one thing you were talking about Evie getting her prints. She does eventually, but I think it's so amazing that she gets like the nerdiest possible person, which I love. I love that. You know? She doesn't go for like the, the hunking popular person, which is like, that's great. I love
0: it. And she gets what, he's one of the, he's the son of one of the dwarfs too.
1: Yes, he is. His name is Doug. <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Doug. Do you remember who he's the son of? Because I don't.
0: Dopey, I believe. He's, oh,
1: okay. That makes more
0: sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the hard thing though, is keeping track. They tried to, with the costumes, to help you be able to recognize who was who. To an extent. And then they kind of, it starts expanding and you see other characters just like floating around and you're kind of like, wait, that's got to be so-and-so's kid, you know? And be just based off of what they're wearing, but they don't actually name all of them, but they're there, you know? So it's kind of a fun game to play.
0: It's like, who's that? Does Dopey wear green? Because Doug was... Yeah, okay, because he was in a green suit at the end. Yes. Yes, yeah. So Dopey's
1: little long shirt dress thing is green with a purple hat
0: i'm glad you you can remember those things
1: <laughs> well i just saw dopey at disney world when i was there at at the dinner at artist point
0: we kind of so. have like the purple and green thing going with chippendale in the yes we do in the dino I costumes
1: i love purple and green it's such a good combo that's why i'm glad it's like a good halloween combo you know and and
0: Uma's wearing green.
1: I love Uma. Oh my gosh. What's my name? That's a song I like. What's my
0: name? <laughs> Which I just liked her in general. And so I was glad to see she got a bunch in Descendants
1: 3. She did. I love that. Yeah. So we both really like Carlos. And it's really sad with the timing. Uh, Cameron Boyce, who is the actor that plays Carlos, he just recently passed away from an epileptic seizure, and it was confirmed that he died from his epilepsy, which is so sad because we didn't even know that he had that. So, and I wonder how many people did know, I know that it took Sophia Carson and Dove Cameron and all of them a really long time to even say anything on social media because they just, they were destroyed.
0: I mean, the media definitely didn't immediately report that he had epilepsy because it would have seemed like they would have said, well, he has this and, you know, been talking about it, but it didn't come out until later on that that was what he was struggling with, which I can understand maybe as someone who's a young actor, not wanting people to think, oh, we might not hire him because... right you know why why it might have been a secret uh it just it's just so sad because he was also star of jesse which a mm-hmm. lot of people know him from, from and everything he did he seemed just like a genuinely nice person and i there was actually some video from behind the scenes with it saying that they all had a group chat from the mm-hmm. the leads and you know One time, actually, there had been a rumor that he had died previously. And they had all been like, oh, are you still around? And it had been a joke. And this had been, you know, well before this happened. So it was just, like, really freaky to see video of them talking about that. I'm like, oh, wow.
1: I know Adam Sandler, like, was really destroyed. Because he was his son in a movie. I don't remember what movie, but...
0: It's just, that's just hard, but I think they did a good job. I mean, they canceled the premiere, mm-hmm. and you know they, they. I thought what they put up there for him. I was like bawling when that yeah, rolled the beginning, yeah, and then the tribute at the end. So yes, there's a longer version true. that Disney PR put up too that was as kind of touching, but I think at least he, there's this here to you know he, you can imagine maybe living your life and nobody ever getting to know what you've done. And he definitely has a legacy and he, you know, he affected a lot of children and their lives, just being able to be a fan of his and, you know, he left his mark for sure.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit obviously about Descendants three and there were new characters and some of them were newer newer since Descendants 2 but we got to know them a little bit better and I feel like that was kind of the coolest part for me I didn't write this one down but I really enjoyed Hades being around <laughs> uh, I just thought that was really cool
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> which which, like you really have to be diving into your Disney lore and be a, a big fan because some people may not even recognize rec- recognize you know people not everybody's a hercules fan no and it's a great movie
1: it's it's a fabulous movie and it has one of the best female characters in all of disney in it yes meg is fantastic
0: i was wondering like when was she gonna show up but
1: right she can't oh my god what if she's in the background somewhere wait
0: can't she She, well i guess she could we don't even know how you know how him and well Will hercules listen.
1: and hercules and meg they would be on in oridon i would assume because he gives up his godness yep so i bet you they have a kid there could be i wonder if he's the heat where she was in the background somewhere we didn't see her hmm. uh, gotta watch it again not like they're not running it every day three to four times a day <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. And and, I, and then I just realized today, watching it again, that the Descendants 3, the three had the blue flaming hair, mm-hmm. which I never got until, after, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, Hades got it. Hades. <laughs> it was like the big clue all along. and <laughs> didn't realize that. I really liked Celia Facilier.
1: Now that was awesome because she... She's so spunky and is totally her dad's daughter, Com- like. And then you get to see Doctor Facilier, which is even better because Doctor Facilier is one of my favorite Disney characters, and I actually love Princess and the Frog. It's such a great movie, and he's he's like, you get yours. Like he's he's so. Ugh. And she's like, I have friends on the other side. I busted out laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh my god.
0: It's so good. But I was kind of surprised because I thought Dizzy would have a bigger role, but it seems like Celia mm. kind of ended up with that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was kind of bummed because I do really like Dizzy. It, how cute are Smee's twin sons? <laughs> like, seriously. They dress just like their dad. Yeah, they're so cute. They don't even say a single word. Yeah, I think they eat, they eat
0: cake and sleep. And yeah. eat peanut butter uh, Hershey's type snacks. Yeah, it's,
1: it's really funny. <laughs> I also really like Gil, who is Gaston's son, because he's so. I mean, I hate to use the term again, but like Dingbatty, he's just like just so clueless, but also really smart. He's he reminds me of Kronk from. <laughs> remember his new crew. Oh, <laughs> he's like this is fruit. It's a berry bush. <laughs> a
0: well, berry. What he thought that the grape was a cantaloupe or something yeah. like that?
1: <laughs> like a well, cantaloupe. Those are grapes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and he was in descendants too just not that much. Right. but, uh, but he got a, the well the pirate gang got a little more this time.
1: They got to kind of be in the action. But you know what? They so if you think back to Once Upon a Time, they keep making Hook this just dashing, dark sort of evil but extremely hot guy, which is what Hook is in this one too. He's like, and he has the accent and stuff. And I was like, no, you're not gonna like Hook. You're not gonna like Hook. And then, of course, I do. But Harry,
0: <laughs> Harry Hook, and he's Harry d- Hook. He's dating.
1: Uh, no not dating
0: in real life dove cameron oh for real for real oh wow Mm -hmm. Uh, so he must be maybe a good guy or a bad guy i don't know i don't know (laughs) he was chasing he was chasing all the girls for sure and i like that he just like took the hook off and on like well yeah because he
1: doesn't need it he just (laughs) holds it in his hand she just, he just like, carries it around for wasn't fun. It, wasn't
0: it in the second movie when they were doing the big pirate fight and he lost his hook and then he dove in after it?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes
0: back up. It's like all kind of crazy. So if you're, okay, if you're watching Descendants, you have to be a fan of music because that's Yeah, just you kind have to of, be a
1: musicals fan because if you're not, you're going to turn it off.
0: <laughs> well, and it follows kind of the, you know, the rules of musicals where a lot of the, emotional stuff the important stuff is going to happen in the musical part Mm -hmm. so they're going to tell you a lot of information so okay so we have to talk about the songs because you can't not talk about them so my favorite one of my favorites was queen Amin, which audrey sings
1: being nice was my pastime but i've been hurt for the last time and i won't ever let another person take advantage of me the anger burns my skin third degree now my blood's boiling hotter than a fiery sea there's nobody getting close to me they're gonna bow to the evil queen your nightmare's my dream just wait until they fall to my wicked schemes i never thought
0: That's like totally crazy because now we're inverting it and Sleeping Beauty's daughter is being the bad person and she's got the staff and she's taking the crown. And it's all parallels the Evil Like Me song that was sung by Mal and Kristen Chenoweth as Maleficent in the first Descendants. And she even they even go into the museum, which is where that song was sung. And so I thought that was like like. It was like, oh, okay, we're even just going hardcore. Like, if you're a Descendants fan and know all this stuff, you're it's going, oh, yeah, it's like clicking off in my head.
1: Right. And I do think it's cool that they bring back, you know, the, the I don't know, the story between it being Mal and Audrey, you know, versus Maleficent and Aurora, like that whole thing. And Audrey's grandmother – my gosh, that lady! She goes, your mother could hold on to a prince in her sleep, and I
0: was just like, "Gee." And they did do a little bit. If people were rusty on that, that Audrey was dating Ben when mm-hmm. he first brought the VK VKs over to from the aisle. So right. she, and then he broke up with her, and it really was because he accidentally fell in love with Mal and then stayed because of a spell and then stayed in love with her. So, you know, she, Audrey has a little bit of a rate right to kind of be like, what is happening?
1: Right. And they make sure you understand who she is. If any of them have an exact, basically replica of their parents' outfits, it's Audrey. Oh yeah. Her, her dress is the pink dress, <laughs> but with pants. Like,
0: yeah, it was like I was like, wow, okay. They didn't even like veer at all or style it up. This time they were like making sure that you knew visually who she
1: was. Yeah, so Queen of Mean is good. I think the reason I'm not as into that song is because it has more of a rap kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And I definitely like more melodic music. Uh so my favorite from the whole thing, I didn't there's usually one song in each dissonance movie that is sort of like the hit song. I, I don't know if the one from this one is supposed to be because I didn't catch it, but I did really like the end song, which is Break This Down, which is when they're getting rid of the barrier between the Isle and Oridon. Unity, new beginning for us Harmony, that's a mission, my camp In the light, what you want to like? I see you, you see me Imperfect So the Isle is where all the villains live, and they've been trapped there and can't leave the Isle. And so that's kind of this whole thing. So now that the barrier is broken down between the Isle and Oridon, I'm like, okay, well, we can't really have a Descendants 4 <laughs> because everybody's intermixing with each other, I guess. I don't know. Maybe there won't be one. I don't know. No idea. But I really like that song. And I like that they kind of have this parallel of Mal and Evie singing on the balcony at an oridon, And then Uma and Celia are singing on the balcony on the aisle. You know, and they're kind of going between the two. Like, it's just kind of cool. And then they get together and they kind of do that whole Chinese dragon thing. with they, The villains come across with this, like, replica of Mal's dragon Yep. But in the Chinese dragon style, that was kind of cool too.
0: That was cool. I liked I, I liked that whole number. I mean, that was that's part of the fun of the whole show is the big staging of the numbers. And if you watch any of kind of the build up where they do little extras, they they practice those numbers for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I liked one kiss.
1: That was a cute song.
0: Yeah, you know, kind of like the whole thing of hmm, if I kiss him and he doesn't wake up because I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, there's just, there's so many others. One of my favorite songs too from like there, I have The Space Between, which is what Eve, Evie and Mouse sing to each other. I kind of call it their love song. Mm-hmm. And that was in Descendants too. So there's always, always fun ones. And you brought up, one of yours is break this down as a big favorite dance number. Do you have any other big favorite dance numbers
1: of any of them or just this any one? of them, any of them? Oh my gosh. Rotten to the core. Just because it's, it's your first introduction to these characters. It's right at the beginning of the first dissonance movie. And there's all this almost like kind of stomp style stuff happening and you get to see them. So I love, we're going to talk about this, but I love the VK's costumes because they're so edgy, and so, but you get to see this whole sort of rundown island and these ragtag kids and these really cool costumes. It just, honestly, it reminds me of Newsies, which of course Kenny Ortega directs these, and he did Newsies.
0: That's right.
1: And so, um, it has that feel to it. And Rotten to the Core is just real. The music is really awesome, and. Chilling Like a Villain isn't, like, a huge dance number, but I really like that song. Um, and that that particular dance number is interesting because Ben, who's the prince, he's the son of Belle and Beast. He's trying to be a VK in mm-hmm. Descendants 2, and it's like, dude, no. <laughs> well,
0: it, it, he almost reminds me of that one of kind of, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, from The Wizard of Oz, kind of the... Sh- you know, the Scarecrow, just kind of how he's so goofy yeah. and doesn't really fit in. And then he kind of picks it up and gets into it at the end, which yeah, is Yeah, he finally
1: starts being able to skip, you know, because he can control his lip.
0: Props, because it's hard for trained dancers to act untrained. Yeah. So he he's actually doing something that his body doesn't want to do. That every So you have to work against your whole kind of everything that's kind of ingrained in you. It, you know, that's fun because it's one of the, you know, it, it it's the story is told through the dance that he finally picks it up and picks up that mm-hmm. kind of little move. For me, I usually love the opening and closing numbers. I loved right. Nightfall in this one because... That was a
1: cool one.
0: Yeah. And they had shown them practicing that in the extras. And I was like really curious about it. But it's interesting because, you know, fairy tales, the knight in shining armor is always supposed to be the hero. And now Audrey is kind of co-opted them taking control of them and they're fighting against everybody and Mao and Uma are sort of talking about working together, but you know, now they're forced to work together and Evie's like, can't we all get along? Yes. Does somebody want some gum? <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> you know, she's like trying the whole time. We should do a word association. I don't know. Yeah, that, Let's do an
1: icebreaker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was so funny just to see you know that kind of tentative alliance start in that number and then it just kind of builds from there so that that's to me but it it was they worked really hard on that because they were showing them practicing that and they had to wear eyeglasses I guess because of the swords and you saw a lot of the influence of So, Jamal Sims, who played Dr. Facilier, Mm -hmm. was the choreographer. Nice. With Kenny Ortega. So, he's new. He was also the choreographer for Aladdin.
1: Uh Uh huh. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, <laughs>
0: um, but he, he, he's also done like J-Lo's tour, Madonna's tour. He did Rent, Step Up. He's, uh, choreographed on So You Think You Can Dance if you're a fan of that. And so you kind of see, uh, that kind of his style come in. I think they were trying to, cause we were having the pirates and a lot more of the aisle side. Yeah. We get a little bit more of that kind of off to the, to the choreography and it's co choreographed with Kenny Ortega. Uh, but it, it was definitely some unique things that uh, he did. And he even choreographed for Michael Jackson. And you could see some of that style and influence mm-hmm. in there too.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love that number because they eventually defeat them with dance and they, you get to see like everybody's dance style. And I love Carlos's cause he's just like a fist pump, you know, foot stomp dancer you know, <laughs> it's just watching those knights do it, like copy them is so <laughs> funny. And then when Evie gets up and she starts doing this, like, kind of like almost like snake like seductive hip sway, and then you see the knights
0: doing <laughs> that was pretty interesting just to see them kind of. And then they just like dan- it was like the ultimate dance off. So I'm like, yeah, this is like totally Ken or- Kenny Ortega's dream <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sequence here. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. But you make a really good point in our show notes here that we have where you're talking about, like, Uma has all these ideas of stuff to do. And Mal keeps, you know, throwing the like, being like, no, no, no. It reminds me of in the Aristocats when he's like, I'm the leader. I'll say when we go, here we go. Uh, So that kind of thing. I remember those. (laughs) The dogs. And so, but you make a good point that they really fleshed out the fact that a lot of times black women and minority women are kind of ignored when they make suggestions. And then when it comes down to the end of it, it's like, my idea.
0: Well, I mean, Enuma keeps making that point. So I was right. So I was right. So my plan was good. And, you know, finally, it takes a while. And finally, Mal's like, yeah, it is good. Like, Mal's actually guilty of doing the thing that would happen to her was being judged for who she was for being a kid from the aisle and she's mm-hmm. you know doing that so you you actually get to see mal go through this growth but you know Uma's was always like it was a good plan and we're like <laughs> and we we like know like the story keeps showing you like uma had the right plan and they yeah. thought she was off trying to be a bad guy and she says no i was going i was trying to find a hole in this you know, barrier so I could help everybody escape. Not to be bad, just because, you know, in the end, she's like, well, I'll, I'll go back and be, you know, take care of the aisle. She was willing to do that, even if she was going to get cut off.
1: So, which is very, very honorable. Uh, she also has another line in this movie that I love when she's laying down on Audrey's bed and she goes, how can anybody that has this bed be mad about anything? <laughs>
0: It's so well, pretty. it's so true. It's definitely speaking to privilege. Like come on, you got this bed to sleep in. You know, they didn't have anything. So <laughs> I'm happy I don't have to stir fish and chips. Wasn't that what she did?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So another song I do like, we did, and I just thought of it, is the song that Hades sings with Mel. That is also a fun song. And you find out that Hades is Mel's dad. <laughs> and you're like, "Whoa!"
0: and Cheyenne Jackson's like a big Broadway star too so you know they like it's not like they just brought anybody in to do this part they're like whoa I mean if we're gonna do musical let's do it yeah <laughs> although I did think the lighting in that scene was kind of odd was that, yeah it was really weird well because they had to go with Hades as the blue and then some. I don't know it was weird in that setting but real little nitpick <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right so costumes and this is probably one of my favorite things about the descendants is the costumes so do you have a favorite outfit i guess just not from maybe not just from this movie but of all time descendants outfits
0: pretty much anything evie was wearing (laughs) yeah
1: her stuff is pretty good (laughs)
0: i i just loved her style like everything what's the the i can't think of the song but from the last descendants two, when they danced in the water her blue dress and that and i also loved mal's dress and that mal's dress when she transforms and is in the purple dress that one was pretty cool
1: yeah so one of the things i liked is that is that they, like, she she uses the ember, and when she does, like, some of her hair goes from purple to blue, and her outfit starts incorporating some blue to show that, like, you know, Hercules is her dad, and I loved that. I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I love Mal's outfits, and, because it's always some kind of, like, leather top and pants and, like, gloves and just purple and green, and I love it. But... What I don't like is that they only make costumes from the Descendants for kids for Halloween. I know. And it bothers me because <laughs> I really, like, I would totally do, like, a Mal and Evie for Halloween. <laughs> Come on, people. Some, Especially some of the ones
0: with the pants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love just the leather and all the kind of just funky look of it. I don't know. It reminds <laughs> me of high school. <laughs>
1: So I actually really like Audrey's villain outfit. Yes, because it's not so bright pink. It like goes really like darker, rosy with some black, and it is like is really stunning. And then even down to her eyeshadow, I was like, "You got it, girl!" I liked her as a villain personally. I,
0: I did too. <laughs>
1: I well, it was and- kind of cool.
0: The one cool thing, especially with Mal, is the outfit is always showing you what's kind of going on in her life when she's trying to like conform and fit in, specifically in Descendants 2, that the Mm -hmm. the dress will like change away from that purple and green or show all different colors. And then you could see her, you know, going back into the purple and green where she's incorporating it. But the proposal dress from this, Mm -hmm. One was really cool because it had the dragon elements and most of her costume pieces had at least a piece of the dragon, either like in the way the shoulders are styled or in her hair. She had a dragon pin in one scene. And so everything and but there were little like you were talking about the hair. There were little hints of blue and she got more blue in her hair as it went along as we found out more about her father and Hades and there were little hints of blue, even in that proposal dress, like underneath where her arms were. So she had to kind of like lift her arms out for you to see that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. They just do the costuming in this is really good. And I don't know if Descendants has won any costuming Emmys or anything like that. Uh, or I don't know if they're eligible or whatever, but they should, because (laughs) it's a lot of work. There's a lot of characters in there. Like Even if you just look at all the VKs, you don't even know who all of them are, but it's like dressing. It makes me think of Hook. You're like dressing all of these Lost Boys, you know, for to all be different, but also look the same. I don't know. It just seems like a massive undertaking to me.
0: And there's be a lot of wig making if you wanted to be. In those oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but it just goes to show how they like think about everything and it it all you know plays out it shows you about the character and the way the songs do and everything else. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: So this one, let's talk a little bit about the story. This one was definitely Mal's story as opposed to the other ones, which I felt was kind of like the VK story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little bit different, but we got to see her journey kind of from the beginning and all the choice, you know, now all the choices she's made are now all building up and now she has things. She didn't have anything at the beginning. She just had a mom who wanted her to get the wand and rule the world. And she didn't know what that meant. And we kind of, the first movie was about that. And then now she's like afraid that she's going to lose these things and it starts making her do things that you're like she should know better right right and evie's there the whole time kind of like the angel on her shoulder going hey 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 you know you're not gonna do that so it was interesting how they did it and how you know the the choices to me all made sense even if you know she's making the wrong choice you're like i totally understand why she's making that choice
1: Right, and but at the same time, as soon as they find out that Audrey is the the one causing havoc, they should have been like, okay, well, this whole closing the barrier thing doesn't make sense, you know, because it's somebody who came from there that was the evil. But I do like that she finally comes to the realization of, evil can come from anywhere just because you know, you are a villain's kid doesn't mean that you were evil, you know, and she knows that, but it's like, she has to come back down to her basics.
0: Yeah. And and part of it too, was, I think that just everything with confronting Hades, it happened so mm-hmm. fast when they're like, go. And all of a sudden, she dealt with everything with her mom. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, and by the way, here's this stuff with, your dad and you know, so there's all this other stuff jumbled in and she's trying to make choices and you can put all the pieces together. And she's very slowly realizing she's like, okay, I'm lying to people. I'm like not telling them the truth. I'm not being myself and it takes a while, but yeah, definitely there's, there's kind of that area where you're like, okay, Mal, are you going to figure this out?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the worst part for her is lying to her friends and then it coming out and the disappointment on their face. I think that's what ultimately really kicks her butt gear.
0: Yes, but it – well, and then as soon as she says, uh, I had no choice, she yells out, I had no choice, and then all her friends get turned to stone. It's like –
1: Oops! I mean,
0: now you, now you can't even have a fight, right? It's just like, they're gone unless you do something to save them. That's it. Like every choice she's made has been to protect them. And then that one act just takes all that out from under her. It's like, okay, now what are you going to do? And she's like, well, I've got to find a way to do this, which, you know, propels her to try to go back to Uma and say, you know, I need you. You can help me and Uma's you know, Harry's like, eh, you don't need her, you can go back to the island, and first Uma's like, no, and you know, she still keeps trying, she you know, as Evie says what she always finds a way. Uh, she keeps trying and turns Uma around too, but I, you know, I thought that was after I, I watched it the first time I watched it, the second time I'm like, wow, it's like boom, yeah, exactly, everything that she was trying to protect is gone in that moment, when mm-hmm. she's, you know says I have no choice, and then she immediately realizes, oh, okay, um, I got to make a different choice because that one's not going to work right now. Life is not a storybook, but life unfolds
1: in chapters. Turn the page and start to make a man. There is no pre-written game. things we definitely see too that i noticed is the villains and the heroes that are adults are having to look to their kids and realize you know what we have these prejudices and we have this stuff in place and we really need to let that go because the kids start showing them hey this isn't just clean clear-cut villains evil you know and i think that's a pretty powerful moment, too, because we see Hades save Audrey. It's just a funny scene, though, between Beast and Hades where they're both, like, hissing growling. at each
0: other. <laughs> <laughs> I also like at the end when Ben says, hey, Dad, to Hades, and then he's like, I got eyes on you. Yeah, he's
1: like, I'm watching you.
0: <laughs> My father-in-law is gonna be the devil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's because it's crazy. I mean, even in the, in the story, if you're just looking at kind of the beats of the story, Mal literally has to go make a deal with a devil in order <laughs> oh, to, she does. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, but you know, it, and when they talk about making a decision to bring down the barrier permanently, you know, Beast, the king, or former king, I guess now because Ben's king, and and he's like, no, you can't do it. And then Ben's like, but you, it's my say, not your say anymore. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, them as king and queen. Now Mal and Ben, they have the say. So it was just, I think the the movie, the series is trying to be really kind of idealistic. And, you know, because a lot of times things are really pessimistic. They're like, oh, you know... It's not going to work out. Anakin and Obi-Wan chop each other up and they're, you know, everything's bad, but we'll have a little spark of hope. This one's like, no kids, you really can make it. You can really make a choice. You can do Mm -hmm. this and you can be better and you're not stuck in, you know, you're not defined by who you are. You get to decide who you are and you can, you could turn your, those old jaded people around. And I like the
1: optimism of that. I agree. And, you know, something I have noticed and I'm glad you put it in here, this Show progressively over the three films has become more and more inclusive as it's moved through its three i don't know episodes, and you started to see it in two with Uma and stuff, but now we're really seeing it. There's a lot of uh characters of color, there's you know characters that are disabled. um I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know what's the right word for that? Who are differently abled. Yeah, differently able. That's better. And so we see all of that. Now you had mentioned there's two new characters that are played by gay men, and I guess I'm just not paying close enough attention to know who who that is. Um, so enlighten me.
0: Oh, so Hades and
1: Doctor oh, okay. Facilier
0: are both. Oh, okay. Yeah, both openly gay men. So that's awesome. Yeah. And Kenny Ortega is also openly gay, uh, Latino man, and we have two women writers on the show, so I feel like this has been sort of their part of their mission all along. I mean, obviously Carlos's mom, Carilla Deville, is a black woman in mm-hmm. this version, and then when we added Uma, Uma in. We ended up with, we get to see three women forming, over the course of this, forming a really great friendship. So, you know, and so, and then Sophia Carson is Latina. Mm -hmm. You just have all this different mix that ends up coming up. And I just feel like every, when you look to around in the, in the crowd and all the different characters, there's definitely, you know, it's definitely inclusive and has always been, you know, in the big dance numbers, there's a girl in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And then another one, there's a girl with eye patch. And she's not a pirate. She's from Auradon. So Mm -hmm. different, you know, they brought it as far as inclusivity.
1: Yep, I like that. I do.
0: The one thing I did want to mention as we were closing is if you wanted to look at a heroine's journey for a story and kind of how they've talked about how it's modeled, the Maureen Murdoch model of essentially what that is when they define it, it's like, the female character or the character because Harry Potter has a heroine's journey too. Mm -hmm. And Luke Skywalker has a heroine's journey when you kind of form all the original trilogy together, not the, first movie but all of them together that's when you're taking what they call the masculine and the feminine which isn't necessarily masculine and feminine as how we think of it but as opposing parts of your personality and you mash you figure out how to put them together and be your own person and often that's like you leave your parents and you think you're one type of person and you go someplace else and you find out you're another type of person so in this story it's you know the evil side of you and the good side of you and how do you how do you incorporate those two and that's what happens with mal as she literally decides i'm not going to be mal of the isle and i'm not going to be mal of oradon i'm going to be both of those things and Mm -hmm. so that's kind of really cool that they did this you know they they set out on this journey to do that and that's what they've put and this is like i mean Descendants is huge. When they aired Descendants two, it had twenty one million viewers on the opening airing, which they aired on ABC and Disney
1: at the same time. Right, and well, and part of the thing they have with the Descendants that kind of keeps it going is they have these like animated shorts for the Descendants as well that they play a lot. So it's it's definitely one of their. I guess they're IPs that they do invest a lot in. So that's why I am curious if we're going to kind of continue. It might be a little bit hard now that Cameron Boyce has passed away, but I don't think that should be a reason for them to stop. I mean, they could definitely work it into the story somehow. I mean, he doesn't have to die. He could you know, he went off with Jane somewhere or something.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And Jane's another example too, not the typical idealized body type Mm -hmm. for a character. You know, you see all sorts of body types in the show dancing and in the number. So there's not, you know, they, mix it up that way what i think uh you read scott mendelson from forbes a lot too right for the he does a lot of stuff on film at box office he did a review for this and he talked about that one of the things descendants did well was take ip intellectual property and really like take it and create a new generation that people can be fans of. So, you know, taking the kids and then really projecting their story forward because we, we know some things about them based on their family, but it, you know, this is kind of a nature versus nurture type story. What defines you more? And obviously we see both parts. And when I, I think about that and I, and I think about personally, cause we talk a lot about star Wars is mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen that been more of the way they went with a sequel trilogy which is like okay here are like the kids of all these characters we knew and we see them like we see Kristen Chenoweth and the first one and then you just go on their adventure and at the end of Descendants 3 you see the kids saying well we're going to go back and try to talk to our parents like what will they think and like we know they're going to get to go back and see them but it doesn't like that's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is what those four kids, their journey and what they went on, as opposed to always going back to, well, is Luke Skywalker gonna show up and you know, mm-hmm. how's Legan gonna resolve this? I'm like, no, I really would have just wanted them like go forward. You can do it. Um mm-hmm. Scott Mendelson makes a point of, yeah, they convince people to care about new characters by doing a compelling story.
1: Last one across the bridge is a rotten apple. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny
0: that's one of my favorite parts of the opening number for descendants two is when they're bobbing for apples
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's just you know i love i love that disney is picking on themselves essentially A lot of a lot of these nods to fairy tale stuff, even to the point that they kind of make fun of some of themselves, like really bad in some places about things they did, because they they have a talking dog and his name's dude.
0: Who's Bobby Moynihan from Star Wars Resistance, also or Saturday Night Live. Uh, But it's always (laughs) funny. I was like, I recognize that voice. Who is it? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Bobby Moynihan. Okay, got it. It's funny. (laughs) Dude. Dude. (laughs)
1: They're like,
0: what are we going to name the dog? Dude. (laughs) Which kind of works with all the dialogue because they're like, dude, do this. Dude, you can't do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, overall... Which is your favorite Descendants film?
0: I don't know. I was going to say two, but three's growing on me.
1: Yeah, I need to watch three again. For me, it's probably between one and three, but I don't know. So I guess we'll see.
0: I'm I'm such an Empire Strikes Strikes Back Back girl, so. Of course you are. You
1: always like the middle. (laughs) Predictable. Okay, okay. well then three has, you know, Return of the Jedi. It's just kind of funny we're talking about this right now because I'm watching CNN the movies. And we're on the nineteen eighties right now. So they actually oh. just talked about Empire Strikes Back. Well, where can you guys find us? You can find us in a lot of places. We're on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I am Ice Cold Penguin. Trisha is at Fangirl Cantina, and you can reach both of us at FG Going Rogue, which is our Star Wars based podcast, but this is its little sister podcast. So just reach us over there.
0: And if you have ideas for non-Star Wars shows that you would like us to talk about, send us an email at contact at fangirlsgoingrogue.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode. And more importantly, share this episode. Those are two simple things you can do to support us. Yes.
1: All right. Well, until next time, this is cute. Just so you know, this is cute. Okay. Until next time, it's good to be back.
0: I'm rotten to the
1: core, core, rotten to the core I'm rotten to the core, core, who could ask for more? I'm knocking like the kid next, like the kid next door I'm rotten to the, I'm rotten to the, I'm rotten to the core